welcome back to the non-standard 14er podcast, the podcast that tells you everything the root description leaves out. Uh, we are joined tonight by Short Rope. Hey. Jace Jack. Howdy. Well, Jace or Jack. Got my own husband's. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Tornado man. Sup? BDP. Oh. And myself, Tay Jack. We are here tonight to try and settle the age-old debate of how to tackle Little Bear. Got a couple of us that have done it through the hourglass and two others that have done different variations on the Southwest Ridge. So we're just going to talk about it and see if we can come to a consensus. Well, Little Bear Peak, uh, West Ridge route on Little Bear. It says, this is the most frequently climbed route on Little Bear, but it is not Little Bear's easiest route. The route is short and sweet, but it is one of the most dangerous routes in this book. Loose rocks abound on the rounded ledges on the upper part of the route, and large parties can turn it into a deadly shooting gallery. This route is particularly dangerous when crowds arrive on three-day holiday weekends. Ooh, so he's talking about the hourglass. He didn't call it the hourglass in that He doesn't edition. call it the hourglass. He calls it the West Ridge 3. And so begins one of the age-old 14er debates that we're going to be doing here today. The hourglass versus the Southwest Ridge. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on Team Hourglass, we have Jason Stifler, aka myself, Short, and Short Rope. Rope. <laughs> and on Team Southwest Ridge, we have two non standard, two totally different approaches, but both kind of gaining out on the Southwest Ridge Patrick and Tornado Man. Hey, cheers to that. Cheers. Thanks for coming back, yeah, Tornado yeah. Man. Hourglassers. Exciting times. <laughs> Not that I'm necessarily pro hourglass. Right? We're divided right. by how we've done it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back to your thought process then, Tornado Man. Talk us through. You've let this one to, to one of your later 14ers. And you've debated whether you were on Southwest Ridge, whether you wanted to do Black Hand from Lake Como, the standard hourglass. What was your. How, how did you get to what, your conclusion? Yeah, I considered literally everything. All that you mentioned, I thought about Blanca Little Bear Double Traverse, double which, traverse. Se- which seemed insane, <laughs> and I quickly decided it was insane, but, <laughs> you know, just ideas. Um, also, the West Ridge Direct, which avoids the hourglass because you don't cut in. There's a couple of trip reports on it online, but it's fifth class. Um, the West, so you up the standard from Lake Como, but just... You gain the West Ridge and stay pretty much ridgetop. Yeah, that, that's just a, another strange variation. Huh. So, But ultimately, the Blanca Little Bear Traverse, too exposed. Um, the northwest face looked like if you messed up a little bit, you were going to be in bad, bad shape, and I didn't think it was very down-climbable. Is that the black hand route? That's the black hand, okay. yeah. And you just researched it from 14ers.com? Yeah, or, generally, yeah. Summit Post, um, whatever I could find. Um, Southwest Ridge just seemed like the best opportunity to avoid the hourglass and keep it within my sensibilities of what was reasonable. The, the hourglass, just reading it, I really don't like loose rock that I can't control. Uh, maybe I'm a control freak, but I try to eliminate <laughs> things that, you know, you can't control. Um, and obviously rockfall is one of those. Um, obviously you can limit it by going when there's less people, being the first one up, etc. Um, but I kind of decided early on in the 14er project, which was very lengthy for me doing most of them on weekends coming from Kansas, 
in the summer and like one week a year. Um, pretty quickly decided that wasn't how I was going to do Little Bear. So several years ago, someone put up a pretty good Southwest Ridge report. And I was like, all right, when I get to Little Bear, I think that's what I'm going to do. And it was years later and took two tries, but ultimately it worked out well, I would say. Um, it's intimidating, but um, I thought it was within my abilities at that point in the 14er journey. I only had two left after it, so um, just the Wilsons. Um, so I would definitely say it's, it's reasonable if you don't mind some exposure, a really long day, and it being very hot. <laughs> what are the highs and lows for you? Like if you were to do like a pro, pros and cons column. So... <clears throat> I think the con is how long a day it is. At this point, my understanding is the only legal way to do it is from like Como Road. And that's where you can park on Como, right? That's what I did. Or like More at 7,000 feet. <laughs> um, now, well, Tobin Creek, even that option still puts you, I don't think you're much above 9,000, but um, Lake Como, you'd have to leave the road by about 8,800. Um, and because I was driving a Corolla, I was a little short of 8,000. So you're starting at like 7,900 oh, feet. Day. That's the Corolla Trailhead. Yeah. They call it. The Corolla Trailhead. <laughs> right before all those softball. You know, exactly, yeah. That's 2,000 um, feet before we started. So you're talking like 6,200 vert from there. Yeah. Except That's the fact that there's all the ups and downs, which adds several hundred each way. So you're way over seven. You're seven, 8,000 vert. Cool. Somewhere between seven and 8,000. And it's not a distinguished trail. So it's, there's no trail. There's no oh, trail. So you're also right. bushwhacking through so, oh, that extra right. elevation as well, which makes it much more yes. difficult. Um, your footing, you know, varies. You, you have some, some cactus thrown in for fun. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Lots of random rocks. Um, Loose pine needles, just kind of everything that can get thrown at you. Um, it seems as you get higher, the rock gets better. I remember there were all those points. There's like 12,900. After 12,900, I thought it definitely got better. Um, before that, there was a lot of kind of um, loose junk. So it's just so, it's so tedious that by the time you summit, I mean, you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty much worn out. And then you've got to go all the way back. I remember getting to 12.9 and being like, well, it's all actually downhill from here, but it's 5,000 vertical. And there's so much terrain that like wants to break your ankle. It's like mm. a lot of rock that, you know, you have to, you can't move fast. Just um, talus hopping with talus hopping. Both sides. It's like um, mentally exhausting too. Yeah, it? it's real, it's real mentally exhausting. Um, you're just kind of watching every step and um, it is hot up there in the summer. You know, even at like 12,000 feet, it was hot. And by the time you're down, you know, 10,000 fighting through, you know, various shrubs. And I picked a pretty good line. It wasn't as dense as I've heard people say, but you're still trying not to, you know, impale yourself on a cactus. You're, you're worn out. Wow. You um, said you had issues with water too, didn't you? You don't normally drink um, a lot of water, but you... Yeah. So I really don't drink probably as much water as I should. Um, but a liter for me is a lot in a day. Uh, this was three. I had two liters of water and one of Powerade. And I was flat out at the car. I could, you know, I just drank the, the last of it walking down the end of the road. So it's, you will need a lot of, 
you know, more water than you think. Um, I cached the Powerade mm. at like 12.9, which was good, save a little weight. But you need a lot of, you know, whatever you need for food, energy, drinks to get you through. I'm kind of thinking about it since and wondering if it would be better to do it at a different time of year. Um, so when did see. you do it? When were you climbing? Early August. And for both your attempts, you tried in August? Uh, I tried it in June, Okay. which uh, I impaled myself with some <laughs> um, sticks and pine needles and um, lost my helmet. It was, it was not a good day. Oh, okay. It was not a good day. Okay. Um, but that was, you know, I, I ultimately decided no helmet and a hurt wrist was probably just not a good day to try to summit. And that was like right at the solstice. Sure. And the solstice makes a lot of sense because of your daylight. Um, I just think almost the best time to do it might be as soon as it's bare. Because I think it melts pretty early there. As soon as there isn't snow, you'd have long days in the spring, and it wouldn't be quite as hot. Hmm. And do you have thunderstorm problems at that point? Not as likely. And you better pick a good day. That's. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even think about it if the storm chance was over like 20%. Just wait for another time. Yeah, because there's nowhere to bail on the ridge, right? No. So it's really equally as committing just less objectively dangerous. Yeah, I mean it's it's very committing. Once you're up above like 129, it's a long ways to get to tree line. So and How long do you think you're above cuz you get to cross Tobin Creek, that's your last water source, and then you're just on a ridge for 10 hours? I don't know how. Yeah, um I'm looking at your trip report, it said it was it was 14 four, hours something around trip. 23 minutes of fun, you right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was that. Um, I'm thinking if you did it from, you know, if you had a more competent car, you're, then I would have been at about 13 hours flat. So on that ridge, like eight hours probably. Wow. So, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's a lot of time. And you do not want to be there in a thunderstorm. And Pat, did you do the same route? Or similar route Walk as that. Through your yeah, what's? <laughs> I'm interested in hearing this. Oh yeah, Sufferfest. Um, so you know, much like uh, Tornado Man said, as you kind of when you approaching Little Bear, it's almost like everybody kind of looks at it and goes, "Is there any other way?" <laughs> because you you think about the the hourglass and what it is and. Um, and it really is. It's just about the rock fall, and, and we all kind of want to avoid that. So it had always kind of been in the back of my mind. I wanted to find different ways around, but I always wanted to uh, replicate um, the Orms route, which was the first route, really, up Little Bear, and um, really hadn't been a public route since the 70s because it had been closed off uh, ranch land, become uh, conservation easements, so it's not in use, it's just there. Um, so we started doing a lot of research into that, picking up books. Uh, you know, there is a couple of trip reports we found online. Um, again, it's, you, you kind of sit there and wrestle with it, knowing that, you know, you're, you're going to be going where you shouldn't probably be going. <laughs> you know, it's not the, it's not the legal route. Um, but, you know, some of us... Uh, over adventurous in our youth um you know you kind of throw some of that stuff to the wayside and think you know hey these mountains are for everybody (laughs) and that's what you use to justify it um so uh we did some careful planning uh try to figure out what kind of route we're going to take and um 
Yeah, so we ventured in at a very, very low elevation, not all too uh, dissimilar from the uh, Corolla parking lot, oh. the Corolla trailhead. So you parked on Como? No, we did not. There's a there's a Forest Service road that um, kind of goes up around the uh, south side, uh, and it just kind of dead ends. You can tell there's a lot of, a lot of people do like uh, target shooting and things of that nature over there. So um, nobody there, of course. Things of that nature, general debauchery. <laughs> that, that's, it, it, it's it's, it's like property. a place you don't want to be after matches. dark. No. <laughs> Mountain lions, trust crazy, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we um, yeah we parked. Um, this is Sean. What is it? exiled Michigander? Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we we parked, and uh, when the road kind of ended, and just started making our trek through the shrubs, and uh, very much the same, very dry. Uh, skeletons from from deer, elk, you name it. Like they're all over the place. You can tell this is it's a pretty fun little hunting ground. I would imagine in the especially in the winter when they they'll come down. Um, Not human, at least. Yeah, uh, went through, but the tons of wildlife. No people, of course. <laughs> Thank you know, was thankful for that. And then uh, I actually caught a stick in the eye. Still have a little a uh, little bit of scar there. It's starting to go away a little bit. But I was like, okay, this is a pretty. Pretty rough start. Two for two and getting impaled on the side. Get impaled by things. Nature (laughs) has a way of uh, letting you know it's boss, right? Uh, Yeah, so then we kind of trudged in and and spent hours bushwhacking and trying to find any kind of faint resemblance of a trail, and there was none. So we ended up uh, throwing a tent up, uncomfortable. I don't know if I could call it like a camping spot. Uh, it was, we were so beat that Sean actually turned down a drink. <gasps> wow. Yeah. He and I was like, I'm, I'm going to take just a little nip of whiskey. That's still like always take whiskey on your hikes. Um, it's just a great reward for the end, but, um, or for those nights where you know you didn't make it. And so, yeah, he turned that down and I was, we were very tired. We got up super early and, uh, we debated. Uh, we hopped into the river bed so as not to leave, um, you know, so we could stay with the leave no trace, not to, uh, you know, trample on things as much as possible. So we ended up climbing up the uh, the river. So there was water on this route, um, and then we decided not to do all, not to go all the way into the basin to find Orm's route because we could never find the trail. So we just decided to uh, head up this really steep uh, talus slope which uh, sean has named the weber adrian route <laughs> that he recommends nobody ever take because it was absolutely miserable every rock moved every it was just it was Ugh. awful mm-hmm. um it was so that or keep hopping over rock bushwhacking <clears throat> over logs and stuff and yeah trees. the bushwhacking was it was yeah deadfall you could tell that nobody had been back there um we never did like, people have talked about a trail back there but i never saw we never, never saw even a, a faint resemblance. I remember you talking about how you had to navigate not only f- like forward in front of you, but like up and down. Like the trees were so deadfall that you were like bobbing and weaving through these yeah. trees. Yeah, and the, and the pack in like with heavy pack, you're yeah, you're trying to climb over. I fell a couple times. It was just yeah, it was. That sounds horrific. It was pretty tough. Um, you know, looking back, eh, you know, I wouldn't do it again. But it was it added character, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what? We we ended up gaining the um, the ridge, the southwest ridge, and and you, it, it's that's I'm assuming where the trail met up. At least it, it looked like so on our maps, and uh, you just kind of follow that along the ridge, Mama Bear, all the way over, and 
And then back across, we, we searched over there just thinking about, okay, we could down climb if we could find the arms route, but we, we just couldn't find a safe, uh, you know, a safe alley to, to get to this core that we assumed was the one in the, you know, from our picture from the fifties that, um, so we, we trudged back along the, uh, um, the ridge and back down the never endless pile of talus and into the bushwhack and. All in all, we started about, I want to say we started a little after 5 a.m. and we walked back into my truck a little after 10.30 p.m. And that was on your second day after That was the second day. That was ridiculous. It was, yeah, yeah. It's very, very slow going, especially, like you said, the trees down, the down trees, the cactus, the the gully, the sand when you get to like kind of some of these river banks over there, they're like all sand and, and it was just trying to find ways around. Um, and trying to find ways not to leave, like, you know, pure destruction where you're walking. So sure. you're, it, you're just a lot of route finding. It was wow, absolutely uh, miserable. Looking back, it, it was awesome. I can say that sitting in a living room <laughs> sipping on a drink. But <laughs> at the time, I was pretty upset with uh, myself. You drove back to Denver then, too, that night. Yeah. That's yeah. a miracle. Sean had to get back and uh, get on a flight. So <laughs> we uh, took turns you know, driving while we were asleep. <laughs> so wow. I made it back to Denver. Uh, a little so after one, I think. I'm curious uh, about the, the ridge itself. A lot of people talk about like how it's just miserable, miserable, miserable forever until you get to Mama Bear. And then that small segment between Mama Bear and Little Bear is actually pretty exposed and pretty fun and like good climbing. Is that accurate? I would say. Yeah. I mean, I had, we had a blast. I thought it was really cool. Once you yeah. gain the ridge itself. Once you gain the ridge. Once yep. you, yeah, it's everything up to it. And below it is is awful, and I could see yeah. the southwest like from Toba Creek that way. Yeah, I could see it. It's just it feels like you're in a different temperate zone because it just almost feels it shouldn't be this warm hmm. on a ridge at twelve thousand feet. But it just mm-hmm. it's just maybe it, maybe it's just psychological. You know, there's no no water anywhere. But um, so there was no water where I crossed Toba Creek. Mm-mm. Not in August, but I crossed at like eleven thousand feet. Right. I crossed higher than most people. Most people do this lower and I kind of gained a sub ridge angled over mm-hmm. um, and avoid some I bushwhack? think it did make the bushwhacking easier I mean my way was bad enough but it isn't as bad as what I'd heard so when I do it again <laughs> I will replicate because your wife to. has to do it that's what we talked about last year. yeah and she still seems interested so there was water when I went in June right but in August there wasn't, so it would be dries up quick. Because I was thinking about, I was kind of looking and thinking about backpack spots. I was like, God, it was sucked to backpack up here so bad. Yeah. And I was like, could I find a really good spot? And I never saw one that I thought was the places I could have thrown a tent down. But the slope doesn't uh, it doesn't relent. It's Even just, if it's you know it, 10, 12 degrees, it's still that and. You're not, you're not camping on anything flat, period, no. if you go that route. It's not, a, it's not a place I would not recommend camping. You just you have to just throw on your pack, pack a ton of water, stash some. You know, if you have a little cash along the way, mark it with a you know, geotag or whatever, and then, yeah, that's what I would do. If I was going to go through Tobin Creek, I would leave some water somewhere up on the ridge, and that would help you out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that ridge is it's – a, it's a lot of fun once you're up on top. The rock – I didn't think was very loose. I thought the moves were 
um, pretty straightforward. You can have as much fun as you wanted, choose your own adventure if you want. Um, and then you just keep looking over at that hourglass and thinking, why? <laughs> because well, it's yeah. super loose. You can yeah. see it, yeah. Yeah, when, yeah you, you look down on it. Because yeah. it's down to your right. Where's the hourglass in relation to, to that? If ridge. you're climbing up it, it would be your to left. your left. Yeah. Lookers left up the, because that's one of the hazards too that we were worried about. It's like, okay, not only do you have to worry about the people on your route ahead of you, but up on the ridge, kicking rocks down too, because mm-hmm. all that funnels into the hourglass too. Well, so segue into as Pat said, why, 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 why the hourglass? I think Chris and I had almost an opposite experience. <clears throat> I think we traded. A little bit more objective danger for a pretty pleasant experience, I thought. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, I think it went perfectly. So we had a four-wheel drive car with somebody who had driven the road before. So not only was the car capable, but somebody who knew what was around the bend. Because that road gets really narrow, and you can be like, okay, am I going to like have to back down this? So he's like, no, one more switchback, one more, one more. So we ended up driving all the way almost up to 10, which gave us a head start. Um, yeah, can compare that to he started at seven eight. Right. Most people park at eight eight if you can get to that one turn where their sign is, and we got yeah. to nine eight. Right. And so the other thing I think we did right to mitigate the little bit of the risk was going on a weekday, um, and so we hiked in on like a I think it was a Wednesday night or a Thursday night up to Lake Como. Had a really nice night. The mosquitoes were horrible, but that's the only <laughs> negative thing I could say about Lake Como. Um, and then. Uh, the other, the, I think the third thing we did really right on that was um, we started at like what? Got up at two thirty. Two thirty. We started like at three thirty. Um, so we knew we were the first ones up that, and I, I actually really enjoyed the day. Um, there were parts of it that was like a little bit of pucker factor in the hourglass, but I thought overall, I think we did as much as we could to kind of keep some of that hazard at bay, and I would, pro- I would do it again if we were just as careful. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was like flawless. I think it's like Dr. Jekyll and Hyde because if you get rock fall, if you get water in the hourglass, if you have to extra 2,000 feet on Lake Como in that heat, mm-hmm. it's just like night and day. I mean, we did it easy. That four-mile hike in was easy. We came right below the face of Little Bear. Beautiful. Right, right by that turnoff for the first gully. Did the first gully in 50 minutes in the dark. Got to uh, the base of the hourglass right at daybreak, uh, five. perfect. Not much water coming down. We climbed the left side of the of the hourglass. The rock was solid, more solid. You had a really good idea too to leave. <clears throat> this sounds kind of goofy, but I thought it was really smart, and, and this would be a recommendation that I think would we'd have for anybody. We left a walkie-talkie down at the base, at the base of the rope, where everybody's attention kind of gets focused when you first go to the hourglass. You look at the rope, so we left a walkie-talkie there with a note um, in anticipation of, you know, communicating with other parties and kind of organizing. Cause it's not a lot. It's a short, maybe hundred yard stretch. It's kind of deadly. And apart from that, you can kind of organize yourself. So you're out of the blast zone. So yeah, we went up that left side, traded some of the lower, like slicker fourth class climbing for like low fifth class. I would say a couple low fifth class moves that were beautiful, solid rock. Um, what did you think of that climbing? Just fun. That was solid. I never really paused. Just kept on going. That, that was a fun route. I think we got to summit about 6.30-ish. Yeah, it was fast. It was a really fast day. There were a couple moves that were a little technical, like where the rock is sloping downward and it's slick, and we did have some ice and water. So 
there's like just not the right handholds. But like I mean, not a not exposed, not anything like that. Just you're worried about the entire hanging slope above you where a marmot fart would set off a rock slide. <laughs> I mean, it's like totally freaky. And we did have one guy in our party kick a rock loose. It was about the size of a football. And oh. it throughout the entire distance from basically the summit down we into the apron below the hourglass. I think it below hit, the summit felt like. And it hit twice. It was like... <laughs> and just the echo that it made as it shattered in the hourglass, I'll never forget it. It was... One of the most frightening sounds I've ever heard, and you could smell it too. You could smell the ozone of the rock when it. That was a little freaky, so I could see how things could get out of hand pretty quickly. But luckily for us, someone was looking out for us, and we uh, we got out unscathed that day. But I think that's the thing with the hourglasses, the age-old debate. It's just a roll of the dice and stacking the odds in your favor. Would never do it on a weekend. Nope. Yeah, luck favors the prepared. So you guys were prepared. You went on a good day for it. I think. Well, let me ask you this and see if we have the same question. What would you have done differently on the descent, if anything? I, we, we, we hiked that rope up there, and we brought our ATCs, and I brought our harnesses, and I was, we were, our day was to repel the hourglass, so we did it. It took a while to set up our anchor and stuff. And the uh, current ropes there were all corded, so you don't want to trust them. But once we got our anchor set up and stuff, it was fun to... Propel down the hourglass. I don't think I'd trade anything. I think we spent a little bit too much time in the danger zone than we needed to by setting up a rappel. It was like really fun and got us all out quickly once it was set up. But if you don't trust the webbing and if you don't bring a long enough rope, which is what we did, what? Did, how long was our rope? Was it only a thirty meter rope? It was quite short. I, I think it was a thirty meter. But we needed very what, small forty meter rope, <laughs> at least. Um, and we had to single strand with a thirty meter, and it didn't even clear the crux. So that was a little tricky, and we had to set our anchor up about All right, we 20 yards into the regular anchor. anchor. So yeah. we brought a rope that was too short. So you need a long enough rope. You'll probably have to single strand a 40-meter rope if you're going to do it. You know, there's webbing and stuff at the top, but if you have to go below that, there's not really a place to anchor. So I think we spent half hour, 45 minutes, it felt like, probably not that long, but just sitting under all this hang fire as we're taking pictures and setting up an anchor and stuff. And so that made me a little nervous. That was the only time ever there and it wasn't the rappel itself but the time we were spending just like oh and there was a marmot chewing on the webbing too that was kind of <laughs> 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 marmots are farting and yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're chewing on Seriously, little bastards it's time to open up hunting season on those little guys <laughs> no. uh, so would you say because you know all of us that haven't done the hourglass but have looked at it um, do you feel now that you've done it do you feel like you said what would you do different but and it's great that you, it's awesome you stuck to the plan because that's always the best course of action, right? But would you take a rope back? Would you feel comfortable in your down climb? Is it just the the possibility of rock fall that kind of like got in the head a little bit? Maybe you want to get in, get out? Or, um, or would you take the rope just in case kind of a... I think our initial idea with the rope was to get in and get out. It wasn't that a fall was ever going to kill any of us. Like it was just purely to expedite the whole thing and get people through and i think we defeated that purpose by how long we took honestly you can butt scoot the whole thing and on the crux you can maybe kind of lean on the rope if you need to but even if you get out of control on a butt scoot and fall you're not going that far you'll be banged up but it's not a fatal fall if you slip um you know during the rope section there's some stuff if you go up the wall and the 
you know, climbers left that, that would be fatal, and it has been in the past. But down that actual crux section, I, I think it's totally down climbable. What do you think, Steph? The same reason, but we just had the unknown factor. If there's water run down through there or yeah, ice, mm-hmm. then you're you're above the ice, and you're, you're that would make me nervous. That's why I always carry carry the rope, even though I know I could probably down climb it now. Cause change of conditions, you always have the rope with you. Sure, I think that was a factor when I was looking at researching it too. Was looking at the chirp reports and seeing, oh, it was this real wet and slick. Oh, there were icy spots, and that was kind of like. Boy, you're throwing that on top of all that loose rock risk. You've got to hit it just the right day, or else you're going to add all this. Because I know water runs down that a lot if there's been storms any time recently. So. There was a little bit even run down. We had a pretty dry. Yeah. So. October, August. It was August, yeah. So th- this was your second attempt on it? Yeah. It took you a couple. So you did your first one, attempted as a snow climb, right? Yeah, we did it. We had like four 14ers under my belt because I moved here on Labor Day and did Grays and then Beerstad and then Quandary and Cotton Socks on Halloween. <laughs> and then went straight for a little bit. And then we did <laughs> Now we did Yale. Makes sense. We did Yale in January. <laughs> and then we tried um, Little Bear in August, April. <laughs> <laughs> so you learned all your lessons in one climbing season. That's, hey, that's, get him out of the way. But we, uh, yeah, we had to work Friday, Friday nights. So we left Denver at like 7 p.m. and got to Lake Como Road at 11 p.m. and started hiking um, in the dark up Lake Como. And we were at the Corolla, Corolla parking lot, the Chevy Cobalt. We might have been below you, actually. We might have been. Have, I, did, I did push it a little bit. Cobalt's we were probably, have to stay on the pavement. We were damn near by the highway. <laughs> and so hiking up Lake Como in, with headlamps and like freezing cold weather where if you stop you got way too cold but if you kept going you were too tired and it was just like this um so we got to the hourglass right when the sun came up put crampons on or not the hourglass sorry the first gully uh walked over the lake it was frozen uh snowshoed um got up i mean it took us an hour it was fun crampons new new experience for me crampon straight up the couloir crossing the ridge to the hourglass and uh, we got the hourglass and it was the snow was like bulletproof couldn't even get an ice axe in so we turned around below the hourglass yeah and then had a long hike out you, you went from freezing cold and snow and then you were carrying your snowshoes on lake como road in like the desert heat a couple hours later it was bizarre stuff so would you do it again as a snow climb in the right conditions that's the other question i think i'd still do dry would you? I, I went back and forth and debated this for like the two months that we talked about it. I know. Um, and we looked like spring conditions, but then ah, there's been people die in avalanches up there. You get conditions where you can half hit snow, half hit rock, and that hourglass, it's mm-hmm. steeper. I don't know. I would, I, would, I, would, I would take dry, driest time of the year for, for my preferences. So do you guys, I mean, there's obviously a lot of hype around the hourglass. Do you guys think it lives up to the the hype i mean it's a lot it's not nice. some pictures make it look way too steep mm-hmm. that the orange striations are just awesome when you get to those orange striations and the sun just came up at five o'clock and we were i mean it was just like instant adrenaline like so cool. it's on that was it's pretty awesome to get to that section i never paused at all Mm-mm. like we've got spooked or anything like sometimes like even like crossing like um sawtooth on beerstad and and wilson um evans yeah a couple of times I was like, ooh, 
Like mm-hmm. It gave you a pause. Like, you don't want to slide. Like, it's, it's exposed because it's at the screen that you can slide around. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. downward sloping weird at one section. That, mm-hmm. that show. Yeah. yeah. And you get a couple of those sections where it like, gives you pause. Yeah. But I never, at any point on the hourglass route, did I ever have that, like, I don't know, jolt of fear. I would say I'm reluctant to say it's overhyped <laughs> because I think the hype is definitely warranted. But I would say my sort of irrational fear maybe wasn't necessary like there are things you can do to stack the deck in your favor and then just go for it like the mountain's not i mean it doesn't discriminate right so it's either your time or it's not but there are things you can do to stack it in your favor and um i left that experience you know maybe thinking oh yeah this was a little easy like i told her i told taylor when i got home like that was way easier than i thought i thought it was way overhyped in retrospect, the truth is probably somewhere in between where it's definitely to be respected and overlooked and the reputation's warranted, but I thought it was not as difficult physically as I thought it would be. Um, the hourglass was a lot shorter than I had pictured, a lot less exposed, the climbing was more solid than I thought. And once you get up to that loose section, it's not that it's loose or gnarly, it's fine climbing, it's like class two, but it's what you do for the people below you that's gnarly. So that's a little bit, it's, it's a different set of risks than what most other 14ers present so has either party swayed the other party like pat yeah. would you do the hourglass or would you guys do the southwest ridge after pat's oh, amazing that's suffer not the way tamer version in the fresh version yeah blanca basin's incredible it's beautiful you're not supposed to go there i would say don't go there would be my but beautiful but deadly Different um, route to gain the southwest like, ridge yeah, 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 the approach. Um, Southwest, yeah, I would honestly, I'd, I'll go back and do a variety of them, many of them really for different reasons, but I would do, I would, I've always, I've always kind of wanted to do the hourglass, but in the springtime as a snow climb, I think I would, I would prefer, but I would go back in the summer if, you know, say my brother ever decides he's going to finish the 14ers, then um, he's going to, he's going to have to go the standard route. I want to ask about the South Little Bear the down climb section that sometimes people call that the crux of that southwest ridge route compared to something on the wilson group or pyramid or the alps or so when you any of the beta ahead of time when you go from south little bear to little bear any obstacle you're supposed to bypass on the left so i got going on the ridge and basically at some point there's a rock that just it's basically just vertical and you have to leave the ridge by that point so I looked left and I'm like, oh, that doesn't look good. So I went right. And I was on this little ledge that was like this wide with a thousand feet just straight air, like a foot wide, just tiptoeing. Oh, so, and you're on the left side. So you so see, I, I you went on the, right side. on the right side. I was on the right side. You're, you're supposed to stay left. If you're, you're on the left, left side, you're, if you fail, you go to the hourglass, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you go to the right side, you'd fall into air. <laughs> Blanca Basin. But that would go back to Blanca Basin. <laughs> a long yeah. way. A very, very long way. It's a sheer. It was sheer. Time, yeah. It was totally sheer. Yeah. So I like snuck around this big rock. Like then, sheer like the catwalk on Aeolus? Or like what's what's comparable to your... Uh, I would say uh, you're going to go further. Yeah, it's... Than the catwalk. It's yeah. so a pretty airy. Then I'm at some pretty... Oh, expo- yeah. Okay. Either direction is a no fall. It's, it's a... No it, it's a no question. Yeah. It's not a... Hmm, I wonder if I could get rescued. <laughs> yeah, they say, you're question. going to die. Yeah. Oh my. So you went uh, right. So I went right. Zero I started doing it. Of... Weaved around this rock in this little ledge. 
back around it, and you kind of regain the ridge just under this big rock that just basically blocks you from going down. And then I just, I was just breathing deep, and I could feel, <laughs> like, I was like, keep the pelt, keep it calm. So, of course, on the way back, I did it properly. And then went to left side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right of the return, but yeah. We'll be left <laughs> uh, but it's... People are going to be listening to this. Like, what? <laughs> left, right? Oh, no. Right? <laughs> um, always on the hourglass. I don't know. Always, 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 not a always on the hourglass. <laughs> always, <laughs> always on the hourglass. Yeah. Disclaimer exactly. here. Don't stay um, on the ridge and, and, yeah, don't go. You know, I was trying to think, and it's like a tamer version of capital, if you do it right to me, with what okay. I would call it most like, with better rock. Um, so a lot of exposure... Um, some pretty good climbing moves. I don't really feel it compares that well with, like, Pyramid or the Bells and trying to think of another peak. It's, it's kind of its own thing. It, it, yeah. Um, it what about the thing. Class it's, 4 move on Mount Wilson? That's, I was about to say, I think I think if I had to compare it to anything, one, I would say it's probably closer to something Wilson, uh, Mount Wilson, Wilson Peak, you know, kind of how you have that mostly solid rock. There are a few, you know, loose guys here and there, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Tormana said, if you, if you stay... Stay to the left while you're up climbing. Um, there's there's a few different variations. Yeah, it's very sheer. It's uh, but the rock is is solid enough, and you can kind of pick a different couple of routes. But it's I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was um, more difficult than yeah, say like the Wilson Peak, like when you're kind of going up, you know, the home stretch there, or uh, that class four move on on Wilson Mount Wilson. I would say is tougher. Okay. So yeah. can we all agree on this, though, that there's really no reason for anybody to do Little Bear that isn't trying to finish the 14ers? Like, it's, I mean, everybody who does it pretty much has a motivation to do it, right? Or is it a good weekend hike for somebody that's not trying to finish? I mean, you, you have to have a good reason to do it. Yeah. Whether if finishing the 14ers would be the one that most people would think would be that, maybe there's some other personal you know, reason that someone could have, or they really like scrambles and they're like an ultra fitness person is like, Hey, I want to see how fast I can do the Southwest Ridge. But for, you know, an average person at home, probably pick another, another mountain. Cause like, I, I think of like choices. the Maroon Bells, for example, that draws a lot of tourists who come in from out of town just to climb those. Cause they're so iconic and picturesque. Just to do those, and that's very common, but I feel like with Little Bear, there's really no reason for you to do it if you're not trying to finish. That's pretty That's my opinion. It's remote. Unless you live, I mean, if you grew up in the San Luis Valley, Ilmosa, you know, somewhere in there, then maybe it's like it's in your backyard, it's one of those things. But yeah, I would agree. I don't think it's, it's, the rock's not solid enough to where, you know, there's all these superb climbing routes. Um, It's not a, a big skier's peak. You know, so there are people that do it. Um, I don't know why, but they, yeah, I mean, it's honestly, I, there's, if you're going to try to finish, then you got to go through it. But otherwise, you know, maybe to just prove it, to prove it to yourself. But yeah, I can't imagine that's something I would go out of my way if I wasn't. The other reason that peak feels a little more extreme to me or remote is that just the search and rescue capabilities in that county is almost nil. Like, when you get a search and rescue in the Sangres, it's it comes in from Buckley or somewhere else. Like, you're out there, mm-hmm. even if you can't get a cell coverage, which is probably rare. Like, you're it's not like Aspen that has a dedicated SAR team. Yeah. 
So that's something to consider too. That was definitely in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah, and then it's the, the kind of the, the desert, arid, you know, yeah. mountain. Yeah. Like the Sangres are down there, too. I mean, uh, the first trip back there up Kelmo Road, we ran into a rattlesnake hmm. 10,000 feet, which very, very odd, but um, crazy to think. But down there, that's the only, those. The, I mean, down the Sangres is the only place I've ever run into snakes or cactus or you know so it's That's true you don't see it they're very arid so it is it is a very sort of like wild west kind of field mm-hmm. which which and they're you know they're not as traveled so it is it is a lot of fun back there we were ran into some unique creatures on lake Como. <laughs> <laughs> like well. it even looks it looks like oh if yeah you, like, took a backdrop in front of it with like the little like sage sand sage or whatever yeah. it looks like a western would be filmed something like right there. there you, you know, can get five acres of land for like three grand in that valley. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Put tra- like, stuff like a trailer or whatever you want <laughs> yeah. on that. Yeah. There's no buildings, codes, kind of and stuff. A, and like the that. armpit of Colorado. What was but... the what was the uh, creature that you guys ran into? It wasn't a rattlesnake, but it was. Didn't you guys run into or... some... <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he carrying like a cooler? <laughs> that was one couple, yeah. Well, there's one guy who's going up middle of the day, just sweltering heat. We're coming down with all of our, you know, our ropes and helmets and stuff, and they're going up um, to hike. And they had, the guy was literally carrying one of those blue Reliance jugs of water just in his arms, like with his arms out. <laughs> like a five-gallon. Just carrying five-gallon thing. And they didn't have sleeping bags, but she had like some like wool, like yep. Indian print truck stop blankets. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And they had like a five-gallon, at least they had enough water in their defense. But I'm like, do you guys know you're going to a lake? Let me blankets. show you a water filter. Lake Kumo. And, and, their, uh, and their dog. They had two blankets, five gallons of water, and a dog. And they were almost to the lake. To Good for credit. him. That's kind of a picnic of sorts. <laughs> of water. Yeah. Of water. And then there was another southerner who uh, like drove his UTV all the way up to like Jaws 3. And then uh, he's like, how are the views? We're like, pretty good. He's like, is it worth it? And I'm like, worth what? The extra like 50 yards that you have to hike to get, get up to <laughs> So which route would you take your wife on? Wow. Yeah, I would. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'd take her to the Little Bear in Evergreen. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Little Bear I'd take her to. <laughs> there you go. I love that Little Bear. I, I You know what? I would probably... Um, I'd probably leave it up to her. That's she's in charge anyway, so I feel like I'm gonna get to decide. She listens to the such podcast. A, too, such, a, yeah. such a diplomatic answer. Yeah. yeah. So she, yeah, if you're listening, honey, um, your you choice. So Love you. <laughs> that defeats the point of the question. <laughs> Since I am lucky enough to have my wife here, I will answer, and then I want to hear her opinion on which one you would prefer. If I had my druthers, I obviously wouldn't take her up it. Um, but if she decided she was wanting to finish and this was part of it, I would say we would wait till June when the snowpack has consolidated, um, plant some, you know, corn snow so it's not bulletproof, but it's not wet, wet slide issues. Um, and then uh, I would kick steps for her and we'd walk up it like a staircase with minimal rock fall. That's great. how I would do it. Yep. Dang I want to go with you now. You made that sound awful appealing. Kick some steps in for me, would you? <laughs> and, and maybe bring the split boards. We'll see. Oh, Ooh. there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think I would uh, probably do the hourglass just because the endurance of the Southwest Ridge sounds good. Point. Insane. And I just, I, I like the the climb. I like to, I like to climb. So. I think I'd be more comfortable with that 
than I would be with a long endurance ridge climb. Would you rather do it in the summer really early or with snow? I don't know. I haven't, you know, I would have to, I would have to default. Because you you avoid the rock fall. I don't think you can make that clear. That's why you do it in snow. Yeah, because it's all underneath the, the snow. I've heard that's actually relatively safe, if you can call it that. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> the safer way to do it is to do it in the snow. If you can get the right snow conditions, right, like you experienced. Got to be flexible. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've read quite a few reports, and it seems it's a hard window to find there. Yeah. I bet, sure. because but. of how hot it gets and how yeah. quick it gets Well, and that so choke, warm. apparently, yeah. is where at some point every winter, or every, I should say spring, not winter, um, it's going to... It's gonna break loose. Yeah, it'll rip. Yeah, because the water's running down underneath it. So that's right in that snow crux. bridge. Yeah, Oof, it's just yeah, gonna. That <laughs> that's what everybody waits for. Is like, okay, that's when little bears like climbable, right? When the the snow is not bulletproof, as you said, this corn, <laughs> you can get a straight shot up and down, and then there comes that choke where the 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 ice cuts loose and there's this giant gap and that's when it becomes unclimbable again. That's the worst of both worlds. The worst of both yeah. worlds. And then after that, you wait. I guess you, at that point, you just wait till it's. Right. So yeah. How big do you reckon that window is? Depends on the season, but is it mm-hmm. two weeks? Yeah. Is it a month? Is it a day? How? Things that I've been told, it, it's it's you know three to four weeks really of of you know probably towards a three a week where when conditions are great because I mean it, like you said, it's just like going out in the snow anytime right it depends yeah. on mm-hmm. what has it been doing during the day depends on the winter was it twenty eighteen where we got like no snow yeah. or was it uh you know this last one where we just got bombarded even into june mm-hmm. right um yeah. so yeah, it was it was a lot longer there was a lot longer spring like snow climbing season for it this year mm-hmm. um, um here's one question so when you get to the top and you're looking around and of course from the top is beautiful views in every direction always um Sam, you know, sangres are, are beautiful because also you have that San Luis Valley where it's just such a huge drop in elevation. You can see for miles. You can see the San Juans out in the distance. But when you look across and you see Blanca, Ellingwood, Lindsay, you know, you see all the... Was there any part of you that wanted to do that traverse across the Blanca? And would you consider it? Because we've done the Wilson Traverse. That's one of the great four. Mm-hmm. There was... 30% of me that wanted to do it. Oh, because you yeah, hadn't I done could, I could have been, what's that? Because you've never done, you could have checked right. off Blanca and Ellingwood in that same trip. I, I could have been talked into it. <clears> it what I was actually more prepared to do and actually kind of was my game plan for the day was to get back down to the lake and then go knock out Blanca and Ellingwood. But we, I would have, but we just got chased out by an early storm. The storm rolled in at 9.30, 10 o'clock. And it was, I mean, but that was gone in an hour. That was my plan. It got real dark, yeah. I think that's feasible. If you're like in decent shape and have the weather window, I think you could do all three without doing the traverse. But yeah, I could have been talked into it. I don't right. know. What do, what do you right. think? Yeah. I think having done the Wilson traverse, um, but I was a couple of weeks from trying to finish, and that was my one of my last big hurdles. And so just checking that hurdle off, I didn't really want to push it <laughs> at that point. Not after doing the Southwest Ridge. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, Ridge. Yeah, right? There'd be... I mean, it would... It would. Now, if you did do it after, that would lead you to a much easier descent down Blanca and then just down Lake Como Road. Wow, mm-hmm. Avoid the bushwhack and all that. But at the time, there was definitely no thought of that. It was like, 
That's I a can't really believe. Long day I remember already. when I got on Little Bear Summit, and I had just the Wilsons left, which I was very comfortable with. I mean, I was solo. You know, I did this whole thing solo. I mean, I almost was crying. I was like, "Holy crap! I did this. This is crazy." But I was like, "I've got to get down." I'm like, "This is one heck of a day." Still, was it on the summit? You had that motion? Yeah. Where was it? On so, the summit. So we did. Yeah. I didn't get until we were below the hourglass. Okay. And then I got. We got the yeah. Kind of like, okay, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah you just hours and hours. Of yeah. <laughs> it's like this is gonna be a a long way out of here. So, yeah, I think adding that traverse, obviously it's one thing if you research it real thoroughly. Sure. And have a feel for it, but um, I know there's some spots that are really intense. Really like, intense. <laughs> and, they, and then everybody you talk to that's done it or, you know, it's, it's no reason to bring a rope. Take too much time to set something up, and, and if you get caught on that in, in weather, you're, you're not going anywhere. You're going to just hug a rock and hope you don't get zapped off but um having seen that traverse from blanca basin now having seen it from you know by lake como and seen it from the other side it's there really is no you know escape anywhere on that ridge like i can see you know being on uh el diente to well there there were places that if you had to get out of there you still don't want to be there in a bad in bad weather but the escape route you could you could kind of picture like okay this is what I would do. There is no mm-hmm. picturing anything there. It's like once you're committed, it's a spine. It's a, yep. it's a spine, yeah. and there's some. It's just a sheer face the entire way too on each side. It's just, would you do it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. That's why I was just gauging to see yeah. who was in. Right. Yeah, right. So, is it? The, how they I have thirty percent. This is a nomination. Yeah. I would do it. Yeah. We had someone who who had done it with us who had had experience. Yeah. Um, I, I always found on an exposure, you know, when you're looking, like you said with the hourglass, you spend all these, all this time looking at pictures of it and thinking, oh my goodness. I mean, think back to where before you climbed your first one and you looked at the narrows or something on Long's Peak and you're like, wow, how could you possibly climb something like that? But as you, you know, gain skill mm-hmm. and, and you get confident, you kind of look at it and go, once you're on it, at least for me, it doesn't it doesn't have that effect as much because it's just so focused on one foot, you know, one hand hold in front of the other, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've, it you can psych yourself out of something pretty easily, especially when you know that there's something like that's coming. But it, my experience, when you get to it, it's when you kind of you make yeah. your call. You got if yeah. it's not you don't feel it, then and you've impaled yourself on you know the vegetation <laughs> you turn around and you come back another day but if you get there and you're like yeah i got this then see i think that would be hard if you hauled all the way up lake como camped got up and was ready to do um crampons up the hourglass and the hourglass was just a little sketchy i think it'd be hard to tell yourself to turn around <clears throat> summit fever summit fever what That's... would be your no-go though on it I mean would it be if there's another group and you can hear them or Ooh. would you still do it if you could hear another group Problem I mean is it, where it, is that threshold you gotta wait till they go up and then come down that could be like two hours and they're gonna be above that hourglass choke for two hours so it's like not mm-hmm. just like waiting for one group to climb up to you like sometimes you do on like Crestone Red Yolly or something it's I got the feeling that on that left side, uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but this got me thinking. 
climbing up climbers left where it's a little steeper it kind of does like a a reverse c shape ever so slightly like a banana curve to the left if you're looking up so i feel like if you hug that left wall some of the rock fall if it did happen would go over you instead of on top of you if that makes sense so that's where i would hang out if there was another party above me but ideally i start early enough that there is nobody but then the problem is when you're coming down and they're going up then they're above you yeah. right and so yeah got a two-hour head start so i don't know like i said we got lucky Didn't we could anybody. also see that ridge all the time because we were cognizant of looking for headlamps behind us and we, there there was no one on that, that route the whole, point. the whole day and you know not not that i've done the hourglass but i think a couple things to think of is i know some of my friends who've kind of gone around camp trying to coordinate seeing who's going for it okay because um, they could the be there for doing blanca the they might... exactly yeah. are you doing little bear yeah and if you are what are you planning um do you guys else? want to be friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 let's go do, together do we want to be friends or uh you know what's your game plan Yeah. <laughs> um, or I had one person, I think we mentioned that when we did our failed podcast, either the audio, <laughs> who was pretty convinced that the way to do it was to do it late. I say everyone's in a rush to get up that, pick a perfect weather day, just go up that thing in the afternoon, no one's there. And then we saw somebody do that. We were setting up camp at like dusk and we saw some guy jogging down that last gully by himself. And he had just done it. That's a great point. Mm. Also, that's how Ellie and Loki did it. All right. Yeah. Loki the Wonder Dog. That may be the, the way to do it. Ooh, You're the host. Should we do the three words? I think I want to know the three words that best describe Little Bear. Each route or the mountain as a whole? The mountain as a whole per experience. Mm. I, I, I would go Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or I would ever say that. Jekyll Dr. Jekyll and, Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde, those are Yeah, that's three. my three. Because <laughs> I can tell you, you can be night and day. You can have yeah. the worst experience, or you save yourself 2,000 feet, camp, have a great day, have great weather, no rocks, no one on the route, and just be perfect. Uh, or you can have terrible ice and the hourglass not work, or have microwave fall down on you, or run out of water on the ridge. So it's yeah. all. That's a great one, Jekyll and Hyde. Exhausting yet exhilarating. Yet exhilarating. Are we counting yet? Oh yeah. Or do you have one more? Poetic. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we gotta count yet. Okay. It doesn't have to be an alliteration. That could be. Right. Come up with. You actually stole one of mine. I was gonna say exhilarating. I was gonna say. (laughs) um, I'll just say exciting. I would say unpredictable, daunting, and exciting. Since I can't say exhilarating. Yeah, those are all those are all really good. I would say, um, wow, I would say I like I like Sufferfest. I have to throw that in there for Sean yeah. since he's not here. Um, definitely a Sufferfest, but I like exhilarating too. I can't take that. Um, I would say Sufferfest and amazing. I know that's kind of a, a cheap ditch on the word there, but it just seeing it uh, from a side where you know very few have been or has been so long or, or trying to trying to follow in the footsteps of you know of Orbs was uh, was just a whole like an amazing experience um, so I would just say yeah Sufferfest amazing experience hmm. 
What's your experience, Tayjack? Uh, having not been on the route, but having heard... <laughs> flip it back on the host tonight. Ooh, having, hear, having heard all the stories? Well, I think one of the things that stands out is it seems like no matter how you skin the cat or skin the bear... Oh, nice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. That it's... That's the title of this episode, How to Skin the <laughs> how Bear. To skin the bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, for everybody, it's quite an accomplishment. Whether that's because it was just a super long day and a totally unique route, or because it was a route that's this daunting route that you were able to pass through and you made good decisions so that it was a, a fun route. Uh, I think either way, everybody kind of stood on that summit and was excited about the choices that they made and how exciting that mountain was. And I don't necessarily think you see that with all the 14ers. You know, a lot of it, the routes are what the routes are, and, and, and maybe you don't have quite that same sense of uh, accomplishment, per se. Uh, so I think, you know, just listening to your guys' stories, I think that's that definitely stands out as a neat thing about Little Bear being the accomplishment that it is in a very respectful, you know, way of mountains. But Love that. That's great. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Yeah. yeah. You want to give a disclaimer? Trespassing is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe we should leave that to the experts. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Blanca Basin is uh, technically not public land, so try to obey all the boundaries. Don't go where you're not supposed to. But it sounds like you got punished for it. It's not really, it wasn't uh, advantageous at all. No, yeah, that I would say that we're we're even. <laughs> it spanked you a bit. So if the ranch hears this, that you could say we we got what we had coming. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you got a couple gold nuggets out of this. It's an age-old fourteeners debate, and hopefully, we were able to shed some light and personal bait on this. I think it's still out to the jury as to which route's better, but um, enjoy it. Don't take what we say too seriously. Obviously, choose your own adventure. Make your own good decisions and have fun out there. Happy trails, everybody.